0: your congregation of our lord jesus christ let us turn in god's holy word to hebrews chapter 11 hebrews chapter 11 you can find it in your pew bible 1382 1382 we'll begin reading at verse 23 and we'll read through verse 29 We're reminded in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen by which these elders or these uh, witnesses of faith, this great cloud of witnesses, has given a good report. And so we find not only Abel and Enoch and Noah, But also Abraham and Sarah and and their children, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. But also, Lord, as we turn to verse 23, the Lord directs our attention to Moses. Moses. Let us hear God's holy word. Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, Were drowned. Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious and fallible word and also add his blessing to the exposition of it. As we think of our own lives, then we recognize that for many of us, we experience the difficulties and the challenges of raising children, especially in the times in which we live. However, if we look at Exodus chapter 1, 2, when in this cloud of witnesses of Moses being one of them, we recognize that there were also great challenges in Moses' life even upon his birth, or we could say his parents' life when they found out they had children. And we recognize that God's faithfulness has always shown through in the scriptural accounts of these challenging times, and that ought to encourage us today as parents, as children, to trust in God's perfect plan in all things, trust in His absolute sovereignty, and trust that He also will raise up leaders in the church to continue to direct us and to lead us and to indeed prosper His church and protect His church even till the end when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again in glory. And yet we also ought to recognize that this won't come with a life of ease. It didn't come with a life of ease for Moses' family. And yet despite the circumstances... They put their trust in God. And what we find in these accounts of faith here in Hebrews chapter 11, there are always times of crises that really strengthen and show forth the faith of all of His people of all times. And what is really a crisis? A crisis. A crisis is... Really, if you look at the definition of the word, it includes judgment. When you come into judgment, when you come into this, this difficult situation where you are going to have to make a choice, and the choice is either going to be one way or another way, it can't be any other way. And that's a crisis. And it calls for a decision. We think about that in these in these heroes of faith, as it were, we think about that in Abel's life, the crises of, of worship, especially when he and Cain were worshiping. We think about that in, in, in Enoch's life, in a, in a time where he was the only one and his family was the only one who seemed to be walking with God and, and how easy it would be to compromise that walk with God. You think about that in Noah's life. The crisis that he came into when God called him to, to build this ark in the middle of dry land. Would, he would be called a fool. You think of the crises that Abraham had when he left Ur of the Chaldees. And when he was called out, even as the church is called out, to, to live in God's promises. And to one day take his only son up to Mount Moriah. And there, to be willing to offer Him knowing, knowing that God indeed was with Him and His promises were sure. But isn't that exactly what the Gospel does? It brings us into a time of crisis, into a time of judgment. Either you will trust in Jesus for your salvation or you will perish forever. And isn't that why Elijah takes, takes up the prophets of Baal and Israel up to Mount Carmel, and he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. If it be God, serve Him. And if it be Baal, serve Him. There's only two two ways. There's only two options. You can't halt in between two opinions. A crisis exposes who you are. It does. It exposes... The faith that God has already planted in your heart and in your life by the choices you make. And that faith, it needs to look to God. It needs to look to, as we find in the conclusion of this matter in chapter 12, it needs to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It needs to look to Him and trust in Him. As our Lord. Now, that was absolutely evident in Abraham. Who do you suppose the author to Hebrews is going to go to next? Remember, he's writing to Hebrew Christians who are wondering, should we trust in this Jesus? Abraham did, the author points out. Who else is a hero in the eyes of the Jews? Moses. and what does moses teach us here in hebrews 11:23 through 29 as saving faith is illustrated in moses is teaching us and we need to also choose to follow god in faith and so that will be our theme for this morning the saving faith illustrated in moses choosing to follow god by faith and we'll see that in three thoughts we'll see how that is First of all, nurtured by his parents. Secondly, how it's evident in crisis. And thirdly, how it's honored by God in his leadership. By faith, Moses. And it begins when he was born. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid in three months by his parents. His faith didn't just come out of thin air. This was a faith that was passed on even from his parents. His parents who were also in a difficult situation, a crisis. Amram and Jochebed were indeed in a time of crisis. If you look at Exodus chapter 1, we find that the king's command was to have all of these Israelite male children cast into the Nile. To be killed. The Israelites were becoming a problem in Egypt. They were, as it were, taking over. And soon they could usurp the king. And so, so he commands all the men, male ch- children to be killed. And the midwives, most of whom were likely Hebrews, they, they disobeyed the king's command. And so the king goes on to, to say, throw all of these male children. He tells his servants those who were in control, to throw the male babies into the river to die. they had, And now Amram and Jochebed have a crisis because they have a baby. And he's a male. What's going to happen? Well, Moses' parents had eyes of faith. And what did they see? They looked upon Moses And they saw that he was a beautiful child. They saw he was a beautiful child. How many babies do you see that you say, oh, that's an ugly baby? You think that's what the text is talking about? You say every child, every baby, they're beautiful. Now, now we we look at this and you think, well, is, is it because... Is it because Moses was so good-looking and such a such a handsome young child that 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 they would that they would want to preserve his life? Well, we need to think about that word beautiful. That word beautiful is not necessarily saying that that. Moses was such, such, a, a, such a handsome young baby already. Such a beautiful baby in that aesthetic type of the language. But, but rather, this was a child that had beauty according to Ecclesiastes 3, verse 10. God has made everything beautiful in His time. It had a, a, a perfect order. There was, there was some, something about this child that they could see by faith that God had a destiny for this child. And so they, they trusted that, indeed, they hid this child. God, God was going to reward them and all of Israel. This was the kind of beauty that they saw. Not just a, a saying, oh, what a cute baby, but a true beauty, knowing that this child was God's. They saw God's plan. They saw God's design. They saw God's purpose for their child, Moses. And so their parents, through the activity of faith, hid him for three months. And and they did so with a calculation. Every activity of faith takes into account some kind of calculation. I think about Abraham going back uh, several verses to last week when we talked about how Abraham took Isaac up onto uh, Mount, Mount Moriah. And in verse 19, when he was about to offer up Isaac... By faith he did so concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. It took a calculation to to trust in God's promises and to know that God had the power to raise him from the dead or provide. And He did provide. He provided. It was a calculation. And so, so also Amram and Jochebed had a calculation. We are going to fear God more than we're going to fear man. And so we have a calculation here. We're going to trust in God because He is the one who can deliver our child and give Him the design that He has purposed for Him in life. Imagine the difficulty. The fear day by day. And as it becomes almost impossible to hide their child any longer, they trust in God again as they seek a way to preserve their child. God's child. And so Exodus 2 we read that that in verse 3 when they could no longer hide him they they built an ark of bulrushes for him and dabbed it in asphalt and pitch and put the child in it put it by the river's bank and and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him and the daughter of pharaoh come again God had his plan and he comes she comes down to the river to bathe in the river And one of the maids were walking by the riverside and they saw the ark and and they they look in and they open it and she sees a child and behold, the baby was crying and she had compassion and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And then the sister comes, shall I call a nurse for you from the Hebrew children so that she may nurse the child for you? You see, Moses' parents' faith was rewarded by God. After they couldn't hide him, though they entrust him to God and put him in this ark of bulrushes. And there this daughter of Pharaoh finds him. And then, as Moses' sister comes to him, comes to her and says, Should, should I find a nurse for you? Go, she says. And who's she gonna call for a nurse? She calls Moses' own mother to nurse and to nurture Moses. The reward is this. That they could raise and nurture Moses in the fear of the Lord. That he could know the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That they could know his promises. That they could teach Moses to identify with the people of God. And they did so. By faith. That's how Moses came to faith. What about your children? What about my children? Do we see our children as beautiful? I'm not just talking about good looking. Cute. I'm talking about do we see our children as those who are beautiful? created in the image of God, those who have His covenant blessings, those who He has placed in this world, in this time, in His church. Do we see our children as that? Because if we do, we're going to take seriously the responsibility to nurture our children in the fear of the Lord. To instruct them. To teach them of God's promises, His covenant mercies. And to prepare them for a life of faith in this world. We're going to teach them the importance to identify as Christians, first and foremost, that God has called them out from this world. That God has placed His name upon their foreheads. And He promises to be a covenant keeping God unto them. Are we illustrating that importance by hiding our children from the world? Or are we just going and casting them into the Nile River, as it were? We got a choice as parents. What's your choice? What's my choice? Are we choosing to raise our children in such a way that would compel them to first and foremost seek their identity in Christ, in God, in His Word? Oh, Moses was raised in such a way. And it stood Moses in good stead when he came to a time in his life that he had a personal crisis. And our children will also come to that age. We can't make all the choices for them. We know that all too well. And by faith, Moses' parents nurtured Moses to the best of their ability. And with God's blessing, it positively impacted Moses' faith in his day of crisis. How did that happen? Well, let's see that in our second point. Choosing to follow God by faith is evident in crises. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, we read in verse 24, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses' life of faith also came into crisis in Egypt. No longer in the house of his parents. But now maybe close to 40 years old living already for many, many years in the house of Pharaoh. And there, his conscience continued to to direct him to care for his brethren, for those whom he ultimately identified with, the people of God. In chapter 2 of Exodus, we find that he goes out and to look upon the affliction of his brethren and their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brothers, one of his brethren, one of those people who he identified with. And he looked this way and he looked that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him. The next day he goes out and he, and he sees two other men fighting. Both of them this time were Hebrews. And he comes up to them and says, Why are you doing this, brother to brother, companion to companion? Knock it off! And they say to him, "Who are you to be judge over us?" His own people says, "Who are you to judge us?" And they say, "Do you intend to kill us like you did the Egyptian?" And then he knew he was exposed, and that Pharaoh would hear it. And when he did, and he did, he was going to kill Moses. And he flees to Midian. He's in a time of crisis. Moses' response in faith was formed by his parents. His identity was with the people of God, with his Hebrews family, with the Hebrew family. He was separated to the promises of God. His home was not in Egypt. And his faith looked past all that he could see in Egypt and it looked past and it saw God who is invisible. And he trusted in God who is invisible. Notice notice that's what faith is. The evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, verse 1. And from that evidence of things not seen, he put his faith in the substance of things he hoped for. Even while he was in Egypt. And he had a lot of things in his sight. The activity of Moses' faith had to come with a lot of calculations as well. Could you imagine all the things in Moses' sight in Egypt? all of the riches, all of the splendor, all of the honor, his position and power, everything in Egypt. He had a choice to make. Will I suffer with my people or will I continue to enjoy this lavish, luxurious lifestyle? And he knew he had a choice and it was one way or another. It couldn't be both. The choice was either yes or no. It was black or white. It was either to identify as an Israelite, as a son of Abraham, and a follower of the Lord God of His fathers. Or to remain as a prince of Egypt, a son of Pharaoh's daughter, a servant to the gods of the Nile. Consider all that Moses saw and had to leave behind because of his choice. Worldly honor and power. Refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. it's, It's speculated that Pharaoh actually had no sons of his own. And Moses stood in line to ascend to the throne to be a Pharaoh himself. Either way, he was certainly aligned in a royal house. In a time when royalty was equivalent to deity. And he turned his back on it. Because he saw God, who was divine, even though he's as ruler divine, even though he was invisible. He turned his back, we read, on the pleasures of sin. Which especially are available to those who have such wealth as Pharaoh's household. The pleasures of sin that are at the disposal of all who would have been in Pharaoh's court. The pleasures of sin in Egypt had to have been so dazzling. Drawing at Moses' heart, who was living in them for, among them for probably 30 years. But he also turned his back on those treasures in Egypt, those treasures that were beyond any human reckoning, the most wealthy country of that particular time. He gave it all up. is because Moses was just like really didn't care about all those earthly things and just wanted to go live in the mountains and, and some people's character are that is is really that way but but not so Moses gave up these things why why we read he made a calculation he made a calculation he would rather give up all of these things for the privilege to suffer affliction with God's people. And secondly, to share in the reproach and the disgrace of Jesus Christ. This is the choice that Moses made. You would say, what a fool! And people would have good reason for doing so. You have a a life of luxury and power and extravagance on the one hand, and you can see it with your eyes, and you trust in something that's invisible, that includes suffering and affliction. What a fool. But that's the exact advertisement of the gospel. And anyone who advertises the gospel in any other way than a life of affliction is a heretic. And we have many in our day who do so. That if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ all these blessings are going to be heaped upon you and you're going to have a your best life now just trust in God and he'll give it to you. And it's a false gospel. The advertisement of the Gospel is that you deny all of those things and you take up your cross and you follow Jesus Christ as His disciple. That's what Jesus Himself says. Any of you who does not renounce all, you are unworthy to be called My disciple. Unworthy. That's the advertisement of the Gospel. Well, that sounds kind of morbid. Whoever would ever believe the gospel? Well, we should continue on. Because if we would end there, you would say, indeed, humanly speaking, you didn't make a good choice, Moses. But we need to think about how this present earthly loss does not go uncompensated by God, but it is rewarded greatly. Think about what Moses was rewarded with. Moses was rewarded with the honor of God. The honor of God. He saw the smiles of God upon him. He was honored by God. Yes, Moses' choice, it cost him favor with men, but it brought him into the honor of God. A name that God sees fit to praise on the very pages of Scripture. Could you imagine if Moses would have chose the position in Egypt? And he would have remained a member of the Egyptian society. The only way we would know him is by archaeological findings as mummies in tombs in Egypt. And that's all we would know is that there's some bones laying there. But today we know Him. We know Him because He's been rewarded by faith. He's been rewarded by seeing the day of Jesus Christ and to be one with Him and to be with Him forever. His reward is in heaven. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the riches in Egypt and now is with Christ forever in glory. Surrounded by an eternal, infinite amount of riches. But even in life, Moses was greatly blessed and rewarded. He was rewarded by fleeing to Median, and there God providentially make, puts him in contact. And we don't have, to get it, have time to get into exactly who Jethro was and, and his daughters uh, and, and, and so on. But, but what we do find is God provides him with a wife who seems to be a godly wife and, and a father-in-law who, who from Scripture we can see is a wise man with integrity who ends up trusting in God. There in Jethro's house, he, he's also prepared by God as he tends the sheep of Jethro. And, and there, God is preparing him not just to tend sheep and to shepherd the sheep, but, but to shepherd His people, the sheep of His pasture. God is in control. God has his design. Everything is working beautifully in God's ordered time. Well, what about you and what about me? Are we not continually being challenged with similar decisions in life? Are we not challenged by our identity? What is our identity? And is that foundational in our life? Is our identity in Christ? When someone asks you who you are, and right away our thoughts go to, well, I'm a farmer, I'm a plumber, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm an electrician, I'm a framer, whatever whatever it might be. And you, you identify as that. That's not necessarily wrong, but but fundamentally, what is our identity? The world doesn't really care if you're a farmer, a plumber, an electrician, or whatever you are. They really don't care that much. But what they really do care for, and what they're really looking at, is whether your foundational identity is being exposed to the world. And that is the identity you have in Christ. Are you really a Christian? And if you're a Christian, then you're a Christian farmer. You're a Christian plumber. You're a Christian. You fill in the blank. That's what the world is looking at. That's where our identity needs to be. Are we like Moses, willing to identify with the people of God and to be a Christian and have that impact all of our life? Are we willing to forsake the pleasures of sin? To flee from sin. Not to see how closely we can walk with sin. Not to see how closely we can bring our children into fellowship with sin. But to, but to flee from it rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Are we willing to renounce our earthly treasures? Now I'm not saying... That wealth here, all needs to be renounced and you need to sell all and give all to the poor or anything like that. I'm not saying that. The key word here is earthly treasures. Earthly goods can be a blessing when used properly by the people of God. But when they become treasures, they're no longer simply earthly goods, but they become an idol in your life. Are we willing to forsake our idols is a question. A challenge for Moses and for us living in this world, especially serving God in a mostly pagan world, is to have and to be able to witness our identity in Christ, to forsake the pleasures of sin and earthly treasures. Moses was forced to choose in crises. Phillips, Richard Phillips, writes this, Like Moses, every believer will have to ask whether he or she is honoring God or betraying him, compromising with sin or restraining it, and serving his neighbor or exploiting his fellow man. You see, Christ calls us to be salt in this world no matter what occupation we are involved in, no matter what position we have in our church or society, he warns that when we lose our saltiness, then we have lost our witness. Moses was a faithful witness in the cloud of witnesses. He knew his times He knew his heart, he knew his faith, called him to take a sacrificial stand for the Lord in the midst of a pagan world. And that was honored by God. And we find how God, in our third point, how God honored that in his leadership. We know the story well, don't we, when we look at Exodus chapter 3. That God had been preparing Moses for such a day as this. He brought him to Midian to shepherd those sheep. And there as he's shepherding the sheep, he's called out of the burning bush, Moses, take off your feet for the ground you stand on is holy ground. And Moses, I'm going to call you and I'm going to send you to Egypt, back to Egypt, and you are going to be a Savior for my people. Not the Savior, but a Savior for my people. That's a time of crises. It's pretty easy now shepherding these sheep with my family close to me. And now, God, you're going to call me to go back to to Egypt? Yes, there's a new pharaoh there, I know, but they might remember. And he still might kill me. And don't you remember even my fellow people says, who are you to judge me? Why would I go back to Egypt? And furthermore, I'm not even a good speaker or, or someone who can really gather people together and truly lead them. Lord, you've chosen the wrong person. And yet, by faith, Moses goes with the blessing and the promises of God. And there he goes into Egypt. To Pharaoh. And certainly, if I go to Pharaoh and show him that indeed God is all-powerful and He's doing miracles and and giving plagues, the first plague would be enough for him to let the people go and we can worship our God. But no, God has to harden His heart and He wouldn't let the people go. And i got to go to Pharaoh again. Each time had to be a crisis in Moses' life. And yet each time, he trusts in his God. And it comes to the tenth plague. And there, Moses, also very likely the oldest of, of the family, a son. And the firstborn son is going to be killed if there's not blood on the doorpost. How in the world is this blood on the doorpost going to save me? And yet, he believes as he partakes in the Passover and puts the blood on the doorpost. And God redeems them out of Egypt with His mighty hand. And He's bringing them now down this corridor that's leading to mountains on one side and mountains ahead and the Red Sea on the other. And now Pharaoh again, hardened in his heart, is chasing after them down this dead-end road, as it were. A cul-de-sac. And there they come to the end. And Pharaoh's army is coming up against them. How in the world are we ever going to escape? And God opens the way through the Red Sea. And they walk through it on dry ground. Crises after crises as they go through the wilderness, along with murmuring people for 40 years, Moses was prepared for this day by God. And God honored him with steadfast leadership by faith. He looked to the promises of God. As he would remember at that burning bush, God had stopped him. And God called out of there. And he says, Moses, I am. The I am that I am. I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. I'm the one who has promised this land and promised a seed. Moses, do you, don't you remember my covenant promises? I'm going to use you to accomplish them. He says in chapter 3, verse 12, I will certainly be with you, Moses. And you will enjoy that land of the promise of your father's. And I'm not going to have you go out of Egypt empty-handed. No, they're going, to, they're going to be casting all of their gifts and their wealth upon you as you go out of Egypt. You're going out with a mighty hand, Moses. Moses believed the promises of God. He believed His Word. He trusted His Word. He followed His Word. I don't know about you, but could you imagine trying to get over a million people to follow your leadership? God was indeed working, and Moses was simply following God's command in obedience and faith. And what great salvation He accomplished through it. What a reward. The reward is set before us in our text. By faith He kept the Passover. The sprinkling of blood. Lest He who destroyed the firstborn should touch Him. By faith. He put that blood on the doorpost and the angel of death passed over His house. By faith, the Israelites put that blood on the doorpost and the angel of death passed over their house. And He pointed them forward to the need of a bloody sacrifice who would come, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the need for His blood on the doorpost of our heart and our life. He pointed them to a substitutionary sacrifice that God was pleased to save His people by. Personally, but also corporately. Moses leads them down this corridor to destruction. But it wasn't. God had prepared a path through the Red Sea That by faith, Israel with Moses passed through it on dry land. And the Egyptians, as they come, following after them into the sea, the walls of the sea collapse and it drowns them all. What What a perfect picture of that salvation that's in Christ. Those who are in Him are safe, And those who are against Him are drowned in the sea. It's a picture. It's given to us because of the faith of Moses, the leader that God had raised up to lead his people out of Egypt. But it points to one who is greater, the Lord Jesus Christ, who leads his people into the eternal promised land to be delivered from all the bondage of this world to be delivered from all who were against him. And yet, even though Jesus' legacy is far greater than Moses, God honors his faithful leader. Numbers 12, verse 3, we read, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. God honored him in his word. God honored him in his word in Deuteronomy 34 when Joshua was, was, was proclaimed to be their new captain, their new leader. There in verse 10 he says, But since then there has not risen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land. And by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel, Moses is honored by God. He leaves a legacy for these Hebrew Christians, but not a legacy as great as the Lord Jesus Christ. And being surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, Moses being one of them, Moses wouldn't say, look at me and look to me and what I have all done. No, he would tell us, go and lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's what he would say. And so we are called today to look to Him, to look to Jesus in all of our crises. We are called today to surrender to His Word, to believe His promises, to trust in His work, to trust in His perfect plan, and to live by faith out of Him. And then we will receive an eternal legacy as we are welcomed To all those who are in faith, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. This morning, we've all come to this point of crisis. In God's Word, every one of us, And every one of us is challenged. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to the end of our worship service this morning, we give you thanks for your word. Give your thanks for your word that cuts and pierces like a sword, a two-edged sword. And indeed, we know, Lord, that that two-edged sword goes in, and it cuts in two. Not in three, not in four, but asunder in two. And we're left with this question. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And Lord, we pray for faith. That we too with Moses would choose that which is good because we know we would always choose which is wrong. We would always choose the pleasures of sin. We would always choose the treasures of this world. By nature. And so, Lord, work mightily by your Holy Spirit to give us faith that we might see the invisible God and the treasures of heaven and the pleasures of knowing you and the joys of knowing you, even though there may be challenges. That we would esteem them more than all the wealth and pleasure of this world. That we would esteem the reproach of Christ and the affliction of God's people as a privilege as a Christian. Lord, hear our prayer for we need to see By faith, your glory, for Jesus' sake, amen.